0: Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views and a bit of timely advice on all things gardening. Later on, I'll be meeting up with Mark Rosenberg, garden media man and uh, currently relations officer with the Hornby Whitefoot. But this week, what a week for weather. Last Thursday the temperatures were tropical. And then for two hours from 5.30 in the morning, on Friday, it rained stair rods. And by the time I got up to the RHS garden at Hyde Hall, three hours or so later, it was scorching again and no sign of the rain. It had all evaporated. Then on Saturday and Sunday, the temperatures dropped like a stone and the wind got up. Oh, I do hate wind, thrashing plants and doing so much damage. I was back up at Hyde Hall again on Saturday and some pots of petunias that uh, we hadn't planted were blowing all over the place and had got really dry. There was only one thing to do and that was get the trowel out and get them into the ground and give them a good watering. Uh, They should be fine in just a day or two. At least the wind has dropped and we've had a few more splashes of rain from occasional showers. But there we are. That's uh, gardening in Britain in the summer. There's uh, quite a lot happening in uh, our world. I was interested to read that wholesale nursery Allensmore in uh, Herefordshire has launched a Golden Valley Plants a new online national delivery service for people unable to leave home. The Taylor family are introducing lots of uh, really good new plants, including that catmint, Peter Persian Blue, that I keep on about. What a fantastic plant that is. Flowers and flowers and flowers, and then as the stems begin to flop a bit, you prune it back, and within weeks, it's up bolt upright and flowering again, attracting bees and butterflies as if uh, there was no end to the nectar that it produces. Sunflowers remain as popular as ever and were given an extra boost by the Duchess of Cambridge, royal patron of the East Anglian Children's Hospices. She planted some sunflowers with the children at uh, the nook one of the East Anglian children's hospices. We have 25 of the latest Helianthus Sunblast from Syngenta that have been planted in Floral Fantasia. Each uh, one of them has been uh, raised from cuttings, it's vegetatively propagated. But boy, do those plants grow! They've got a rather soft, woolly sort of leaf uh, and have the potential, each plant, to produce A thousand flowers and already they're absolutely sparkling, bright yellow with a black centre. I hear that Annabella Makin Jones of the Yorkshire strawberry grower Annabella's Delicious British reports that Ocado have taken all the fruits normally sold to summer events and the hospitality industry. They grow 18,000 tonnes a year and there's been a 20% increase in retail strawberry sales, according to Annabelle. And berry grower Anthony Snow says the warm spring and driest May for 124 years has given fruit very high quality. You can say that again. I've had some really super strawberries and raspberries. So sweet and uh, really luscious. Uh, DT Brown report a four times increase in sales during the lockdown and are just sending out their biggest ever summer and autumn catalogue, focusing on things to sew now. Many of their new customers are 24 to 35-year-olds, apparently, uh, living in urban or metropolitan areas. And you can get a copy of this latest catalogue if you log on www dtbrownseeds.co.uk. Well there's plenty of uh, questions and queries coming from uh, some of those new to gardening. Uh, Here's one. I have some compost that I would like to reuse but can't remember the ingredients to make it better. Well, if you are reusing compost and I certainly do, several times. The first thing is to flush it through, just give it a good watering. Uh, That'll wash out any accumulated salts, you know, if there has been quite a lot of plant food built up. And then you'll need to uh, start feeding again, uh, pretty well straight away. I mean, most composts, when you buy them new, have enough well-balanced plant food to last for about six to eight weeks. But if you've uh, flushed, reused compost through, then you'll need to start feeding straight away. And there's two choices. You can either use a dilute liquid feed or uh, one of those granular, uh, long-lasting fertilisers. But just, just the pack, some of them will feed for six weeks, others for 12 weeks and even for six months. There was another query too from somebody whose sweet peas need a boost. I'm not surprised. Sweet peas don't like those very high temperatures. And just check to make sure that the soil well down is moist. Sweet peas will, I'm afraid, need a good lot of water at this time of year and feeding about every 10 days or so if the soil has not been improved by digging in manure last uh, autumn and uh, during the winter. A young lady new to gardening proudly showed me some sweet and hot peppers growing in pots on her patio uh, this week. Apparently the plants came from Aldi and they are growing very well. But as I saw you know, a developing fruit on the sweet peppers, I suggested she cut that. She really wanted it to stay until it was nice and red. But with the first fruit on sweet peppers, your best bet is to either pinch them off before they start to develop or certainly cut them as soon as they're edible. Because if a young plant puts all its energy into those first one or two fruits, I'm afraid it can slow the growth and reduce the overall yield quite considerably. Exactly the same goes for cucumbers. Grit your teeth and remove the first one or two little tiny cucumbers and then you can be sure there will be lots and lots to follow. If you're uh, growing dahlias and they're making some nice strong growth, it's a good time to just pinch out the tip so that they break from the base and you get uh, six or so good stems rather than the one straight one. Oh, and I have to talk about the Alstroemeria Indian Summer. What a fantastic plant that is. It's flowering itself as if you wouldn't believe. The thing to remember with the garden Alstromerias, well, with all these Alstroemerias, is that uh, you don't cut them, you pluck them. You know, you pull the stem out. And if you want some uh, to take indoors, well, then, yes, you pull the stems and then cut the bottom few inches off Uh, and equally if they've flowered and the flowers have set seed then you need to pull those out and the more you pull the more new flowers will come. Our guest today is Mark Rosenberg a fellow contributor and news editor at Amateur Gardening for a number of years and currently press relations officer with public relations company Hornby Whitefoot How would you like to look
1: 5 years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Mark, I believe you've been looking at the... uh influence and the effect of the coronavirus in the horticultural trade and gardening.
2: Yes, yes indeed I have. Quite astonishing figures coming through from the gardening trade, really positive news to report, quite a far cry from where we were back in March at the start of lockdown. Since garden centres reopened and with many actually launching online services during the lockdown, the figures are incredible. Researching at the moment I've found one of the biggest areas for, for demand is compost. Um, speaking to the Greener Gardening Company this week, you know, formerly Bordnemona, they saw their sales in May or actually go up by 20 to 30%. Um, and by the end of June, they think it may even be a record year for compost, which is quite incredible when you consider the number of retail outlets that were shut at peak season.
0: Yeah, and, it, and, it's, a, and it's a big, heavy, bulky market product isn't
2: it one of the questions that i um, was asked is you know why can't people get the compost they want now that they're heading to the garden center to catch up and it's not as simple as just sending out lorry loads because there are a number of issues that suppliers have had to face one of them being the reduced availability of ingredients such as loam and grit suppliers of those ingredients have had to restart production but with social distancing measures in place. So even if they work flat out, they cannot just flood the warehouses with labor. They have to take the uh, safety of the workforce seriously. Um, And that has caused some shortages in in the raw ingredients and the same situation with packaging. Um, So although they are now catching up and supply has improved, there have been some shortages and some have had to reduce their product range and focus on the core products to enable to meet demand.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I visited two garden centres, the Van Hague one at uh, Cheney's and at, uh just near St Albans. And, I mean, it was almost as if they were going to close down. The, the place was empty.
2: Uh, I've witnessed the same thing, actually, just seen empty wooden pallets um, and a bit of shrink wrap on the floor. Um, That's not the situation at all garden centres, but I think it just shows how keen people are to get on with gardening and uh, how they really are playing catch up. Speaking to mail order suppliers, I mean, the Sutton's Group, which operates Sutton's Dobies and the Organic Gardening Catalogue, They say their sales of compost by mail order have absolutely gone through the roof. They're up by 732% this year.
0: How how can you cope with those kinds of increases?
2: They've had to uh, take a sort of unprecedented um, number of steps including um, during lockdown there was a queuing system on their website um, just to be able to to cope with the traffic Um, but people have also had to be more patient with deliveries but you've got to remember that these companies again are operating on a skeleton workforce to ensure safety and there are also delays in the postal system again all of that has eased now and everything is catching up but what people are telling me is that where peak gardening season would normally tail off at the end of may and into june it's still going strong
0: and that in light of the weather i don't know how it is with you down in pool but uh, i've been up at hyde hall this afternoon trying to get some summer bedding planted it's been quite warm up
2: here It's been an absolute scorcher here today, and I think it's only going to get warmer. Only at lunchtime today I was out moving some containers of of bedding plants that were actually getting leaf scorch um, and putting them in the shade for a bit until they establish... And it's been an incredibly dry season as well. I mean, normally it's your neck of the woods, Peter, that's one of the, the, the driest areas. But down here in Dorset, we barely had a, a drop of rain. We didn't have any April showers and nothing significant to report in May. It was only last week we got a few torrential downpours. But I garden on very light, sandy soil and it's, it's like dust again already. So, uh, yes, I'll be out with the hose again later.
0: It's timely to remind people that if they've got plants in black containers they can get very hot on the sunny side i like to see them dropped inside a slightly bigger pot so that we have almost sort of double glazing around the pot
2: yes indeed um it's it's very important to to be on the case with with watering at the moment um and also actually one of the manufacturers i've been been working with a company called prima they manufacture what's a range called the tierra verdi Planters. Um, these are reasonably new on the market and they've got built-in water reservoirs, which is a really clever idea um, because if you're away for the day or you simply forget to water, the reservoirs at the bottom of these containers collect water and can actually keep your plants going while you're away um, which uh, is is very valuable particularly when you think about the canopy that bedding plants can have on them at this time of year even if we do have a downpour a lot of that actually won't penetrate down into the compost so containers that actually have their own built-in reservoirs i think uh, are possibly going to be the way forward here
0: well and Aren't they very eco-friendly, Primer?
2: They they are. They're made of recycled tyres, and that hopefully will give an indication of how strong they are. If you think about what a tyre has to go through while it's on the life of your car, um, potholes and all the wear and tear... Um, the material is incredibly robust. In fact, over 200 ingredients go into each tyre. Um, and I've read that 2.5 billion tyres are produced every year. And it would take them, each tyre, 80 years to decompose if it was thrown into landfill. But through modern technology, 6 kilograms of rubber crumb can be recycled from, from one tyre and made into these Tierra Verde planters. And as a result, they don't crack if they're exposed to um, severe frost during winter. They don't rot or stain. And that also has a lot of benefits for garden retailers as well, because it cuts down on breakages in transit, in warehouses, and also as a result of customers' trolleys. You know, often displays are struck and there are losses there. These things really won't break, so uh, they're very robust.
0: And they're very comfortable, aren't they, to handle
2: they are indeed, um, if you sort of strike your leg against one Um, it's going to be much softer than it would if you were talking about a stone container they're quite lightweight to lift Um, they've got a nice feel to them Um, and a a nifty uh, feature is that uh, should you over water you might be thinking gosh you know it's got a reservoir the roots will drown but there's actually a little overflow valve so you can't overfill the reservoir and should you wish to overwinter a plant indoors in a conservatory in your house during winter um, then there is a, a little plug in the base that you can use to, to plug the reservoir and so no water will leak out of the bottom. So if you want to grow an exotic or tender plant, for example, and bring it indoors over winter, you can do without any risk of water escaping and, and damaging and leaking, leaking onto the floor.
0: Yeah, so a very good design. But to go, to go back to your research, did you do anything on seed sales because there seems to be a great uh, renewal in interest in growing your own?
2: Absolutely. This is some research I did for the gardening app, Candide, um, and I spoke to a lot of seed companies um Going back to the Sutton's Group first, their seed sales soared by more than a thousand percent in April compared to the same month the previous year. Their top grow your own edible seed performers, I mean, looking through my list, Dwarf French Bean Safari up by 1,075 percent. The Good Old Tomato Gardeners Delight up by 900 percent carrot early Nantes up by almost 4,000%.
0: And and everything you've mentioned, and particularly the top seller, that French bean would be a very good one for for people to grow for the first time, wouldn't
2: it? Absolutely, because one thing that suppliers are telling me is that they believe they're getting a lot of orders from people who, particularly younger consumers, who are frightened by the shortages in the supermarkets um, and have spent time in their gardens during lockdown, and they want to have a go at growing your own, if in a way for food security as well as um, um, for for the health benefits. But it wasn't just Sutton's. I spoke to King Seeds in Essex um, and they saw their orders spike fourfold in April and May. They had to restrict website orders to 500 a day in order to be able to manage the demand. Um, and their biggest sellers in March were beetroot, lettuce, tomato, rocket and beans. While Mr. Fothergill's, their veg seed sales were up by over four, 500% in May um, and flower seeds were up by 300%. And also, another one I spoke to here, and this is a really interesting one, was Burnham Nurseries in Devon. They are a specialist supply of orchids, as I'm sure you know. And their mail order sales went up by 300% during lockdown. Um, and I spoke to the manager, who I've known for many years there, and I said, you know, what caused this? Because I thought it was more grow your own and, and food. And she said, actually, their, their flowering hybrids and homegrown species have been in, in really good demand, um, partly because of enthusiasts adding to their collections You know, as during lockdown, um, as well as people sending orchids and gifts to loved ones they couldn't see because of the uh, ongoing um, need to self-isolate and remain at home.
0: Oh, yes, because that worked quite well. Mark, how did you get into gardening in, in, in the beginning? Um, it, it,
2: it's an unusual story because I come from a family that has um, no background in, in, in gardening. My father has always been involved in the management of care homes and my mother was an estate agent. And it was actually in 1981 when my parents divorced and we moved to a smaller house Um, In North London, but like many houses of that era, um, it had a long 120-foot back garden. Um, The previous owners were were keen gardeners. There were loads of mature mature shrubs, rhododendrons, azaleas, Um, and I became fascinated by by this and started to tend the garden. And then, fast forward a few years, I stumbled across Gardeners World one Friday night, and it was presented by Jeff Hamilton. And the next day, Saturday morning. I wanted to have a go, so I got on my bike and cycled down to Woolworths, and I bought a packet of pea seeds, some compost, and a mini propagator. Actually, trying to cycle home with compost over the handlebars probably wasn't recommended, but I I sowed these pea seeds. Don't know why in a propagator, and I remember lifting the lid to see if anything had, had germinated, and. Remembering the excitement when those first shoots actually came up and that led me on to to loads of other things, actually, you know, tending the lawn, um, digging another fish pond, clearing a big patch of weeds at the bottom and which was once a vegetable garden and started to grow beans and potatoes and brassicas and strawberries. Um, there was a greenhouse with only a few panes of glass that I patched up with polythene sheeting from home base, filled it with tomatoes, and started growing bedding plants. And I started doing a gardening round um, from the back of my car, the um, Ford Fiesta, um, which all my tools went into. And there was no Twitter or Facebook back then. You know, it spread by word of mouth. And I started to pick up more uh, more gardening clients, and ended up doing their hanging baskets and, and containers and such like. But uh, it was when I took a a photo of some daffodil bulbs that had been forgotten about in a carrier bag behind the greenhouse, and they had grown and flowered. And I had these prints developed, and I sent them into Amateur Gardening magazine. um, And the editor published it as his letter of the week. (laughs) Um, And it was it was fantastic to see that in print. And from then on, I started to read gardening magazines. I got a job, a Saturday job at a a little garden centre that was tucked into railway sidings and just sort of learnt on the job, really, reading magazines, learning about plants. I had a good idea of what I wanted to do as a career, but back in the late 80s and 90s, horticulture wasn't even on the, the radar of most careers advisers. Um, and I remember sitting, being sat in front of a a careers advisor. He was, he was very old school, like an old school headmaster, and he stared down his glasses at me and he said, so you want to be a gardener, eh? Do you have no ambition, boy? Oh, goodness. Um, and I thought, wow, um, I don't think we're going to get on. Uh, but I'm quite stubborn and I I wanted to persevere. But there was no internet then. You couldn't just look things up online. Um, so I went down a, a different route. There was a, a new presenter on TV who I'd been watching. So I wrote to this Mr Titchmarsh, care of BBC Pebble Mill, to say... This is what I'm doing. I really like it. How can I turn this into a career? And full credit to Alan. He wrote back to me and put me in touch with uh, Capel Manor and Rittle College. And I decided to uh, go to Rittle and uh, do a degree in horticulture.
0: Amazing story. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Yes. Does Alan know that he influenced you in that way?
2: Um, I think I mentioned it briefly. I'm sure I've still got the letter in the... uh, in the loft somewhere
0: oh, um, I keep the, I keep that letter Mark.
2: absolutely i mean i, I was quite shocked to, to get a, a reply but it was it was a lovely thing and as I, I did follow alan's advice um and while i was studying i was fortunate to apply to work on horticulture week
0: which which is our main trade magazine yeah
2: um, and i loved it i can still remember the excitement of getting my first byline and that was that was for a story on how British rose growers had fared that season um, and within no time at all even though I was on sandwich year I found myself at Heathrow Airport at the crack of dawn getting on planes going to trade fairs and nurseries across Europe um, and I loved it and I thought, this is fantastic. I'd like to do more of this after i finish my degree.
0: And Mark, we, we never lose that thrill of seeing the byline, do we?
2: I know, and I don't think you, th- you see that thrill so much from a byline online, on a screen. There's something about a newspaper or a magazine seeing the printed word, seeing all your research, comments, facts and figures go, and particularly when you get letters and response from readers. Um, I've always thought that if you get no response whatsoever, then you're probably not doing a very good job job but if your story is talked about you must have done something right
0: yeah i couldn't agree more yes you need that response mark you know you enthusiastically garden as well as commentating on it have you have you got a good tip for our listeners you know one for the keen gardener perhaps and a tip for somebody starting off although your story should be uh, enthusiasm enough to get people going from the purchase of a packet of peas.
2: Thank you, Peter. Um, Well, indeed, yes, I do. I can answer both of that. Um, And certainly the tip, during lockdown, on our once a day permitted walks that we were allowed, I got to know the neighbourhood very well, walking round and nosing into people's front gardens. And I was amazed at the number of people that were watering in broad daylight or had lawn sprinklers running in the heat of the day. And my advice is don't, because a lot of that water will just be lost to evaporation. It can even scorch leaves now the sun is very strong. Um, I tend to water late in the evening at dusk, you know, when temperatures are cooler, um, directing water right at the base of the plant allowing it to soak deep into the soil and then repeating um, so it has plenty of time to absorb the moisture. And also don't waste a lot of water watering lawns. A healthy lawn will recover when you know the rains return. Um, You know grass automatically shuts down and then it bounces back. It will take a really severe prolonged drought to do significant damage to to a healthy lawn
0: you've just prompted my memory again haven't you been doing work with one of the lawn seed companies
2: I have indeed yes I've been working with Johnson's lawn seed um, and they're investing a lot of a lot of money and time into producing lawn seed that can cope with the weather extremes that we're seeing so often now um, you know they're very well aware the seasons are less defined when we go through winters where it rains and rains until there's endless flooding and then we go through summers where we barely get any rain for uh, for two or three Three months um, and they have produced a, a number of uh, of new seeds after after trials, um, including their their quick lawn seed that has been reformulated and needs much much less water to actually germinate which is fantastic if we have a dry autumn um, i think it needs about a third of the water that grass seed would normally require and they've also brought out a new version of their popular brand tough grass and this is one i'd really like to mention um, because not only is it a very resilient um, weatherproof grass seed but it's the first grass seed in the uk that has resistance to dog weed damage Um, And any listeners who have got a a dog or have relatives and visitors that bring their dogs and those dogs then we on the lawn Mm. will know that the lawns turn yellow um, and you get these horrible patches. But if you sow with this, um, it won't turn yellow due to to dog urine damage. They actually over in Denmark at the parent company did 672 tests to to stimulate the effect of dog urine on 168 different varieties of grass across seven species. <laughs>
0: um it's amazing exactly. what people do, what?
2: In, indeed, yes. I, I wouldn't have liked to have had that job, you know, over a, a number of years. Um, they ha- each dog in mix had to be applied in a number of concentrations just to check that everything worked. Um, and the result is 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 lawn seed um, that is extremely resilient to uh, to to dog weed damage. And they've actually reported some very strong sales. I think up by about thirty percent this season, um, partly due to people actually getting on with lawn care jobs early in lockdown and others you know particularly pet owners and this has been marketed very heavily in the, in the pet trade um, as a solution to a problem that's been a real hassle for for dog owners for years
0: yeah mark it's great to speak to you and to you Peter. i hope that Thank we'll you. meet up soon you know with uh, this lockdown all of our press get-togethers have been abandoned so uh, we
2: Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, you know, later in the season or next year, we'll be able to uh, meet up and and
0: see what the industry has to offer. There's a sting in my tailpiece this week. Bees are currently a topic very much in the public domain, with their importance pollinating a wide range of crops and, of course, giving us honey. Graham Clark in uh, Amateur Gardening keeps unearthing interesting facts In his weekly miscellany, and I was interested to read, Honey, made from the nectar of rhododendrons, causes mad honey intoxication, which lasts for 24 hours and causes dizziness, lack of energy, sweating, sickness and low blood pressure. We are, however, safe with bought honey, because the pooling from uh, many sources dilutes to uh, a harmless degree. Just if you happen to keep bees, keep them away from massed rhododendron flowering in spring. Well, I'm off out into the garden uh, just to watch the busy bees, and I need to be quite busy. Boy, there's much to do. Be with you next week.